eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED lights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is The Ed Milet Show. Welcome back to Max Out, everybody. I have a Hall of Famer next to me. It's not every day you get to sit next to a Hall of Famer. 17-year NFL career, like a bazillion different records, transformed the position of tight end in the NFL. Uh, I didn't know this. Second all-time in the NFL in receptions, regardless of position. Yeah. Although there's a dude getting really close to you. He's going to break it probably here in the next uh, couple days. Next couple days, actually. (laughs) But I'm actually, I've got to learn more about you because of all of our mutual friends. And I want to talk a little football, but I'm more impressed with the man and who you've become and where you came from. So thank you for being here. It's yeah, Tony Gonzalez, yeah. everybody. Thanks, bud. Good to be here. Yeah, great to have you. So we'll go football in a little bit. Sure, you want to talk football? We can talk football. Well, <laughs> one thing I want to do is congratulate you because you just became a member of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Right? So I want to go all the way back to when you were a little guy because I've, I've, I was fascinated. I kind of fell in love with this little boy that I've been learning about, right? But mm-hmm. before I do that, what is it like? I've had Marshall Falk on, I've had T.O. on. Uh-huh. What is it like to join that group and be a Hall of Famer? You know, it, it's great. It's not something that you play for from the beginning. Nobody, at least for me, I, I mm-hmm. never set out and said, you know what? I never even set out saying I'm going to play in the NFL. I was just, I just wanted to be on the, be a good player <laughs> really? on my team back in Pop <laughs> Warner, which I wasn't. Uh, but that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the NFL, you start putting together seasons. And so you start getting better, you start leveling up, mm. uh, and then all of a sudden you go to one Pro Bowl, then you go to two Pro Bowls. And even then, I'm not thinking, okay, Hall of Famer, but, you know, considered one of the best ever. Um, that's something that the media starts to put on you. Mm-hmm. And people, when, when you get to like seven Pro Bowls now, eight Pro Bowls, people are like, hey, you know what, man, you can, yeah. you can make, probably make the Hall of Fame, and then it starts to dawn on you. Mm. And I think at that point, you're like, well... I hope so, because <laughs> right, I've right. been doing pretty well for a long time, so I hope I'm in consideration at least. Right. But once you get there, that's mm. when it really, really hits you. Mm. Um, Did it hit I, you when you got the call? I noticed, I saw the video yeah. of when the guy tells you. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, the, the big old yeah. guy, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's got, a big dude. Big, biggest head ever, yeah. David, <laughs> his name is David. Uh, he, he, is, he is one of the best guys ever. But mm. yeah, when, you, when, you, when it finally, when they tell you, because you, you also, I knew I had a good chance. Of course. Okay. And, and I had my family out there to mm-hmm. come celebrate if, mm-hmm. if it comes. But you never really, really know. And so when I saw uh, him come around the corner, I was like, man, this is, this is really, really happening. Yeah. And it kind of hit me a little bit. And I look around, and uh, my, um, my, my wife has some tears in her eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's FaceTiming my kids back home so they could see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when, it, that's when it comes together. Yeah, it's great for me. 
But it's really about the people that have been with me from the beginning, my brothers, my, my mom, my uncles, mm. uh, the, the, the guys that I've played with. I had mm. some guys that I played with uh, throughout my career there with me as well. And so that's, that's really what it's all about. That's what going to that three-day event is about. Seeing all these old guys that you looked up to, that you idolized when you were a kid, and now you're considered one of them. There's only 326 of us now in the history, 100-year history of the NFL. That's when you start to realize, okay, this is this is freaking huge, and mm. uh, and it feels good. But I'm so glad that that I got to bring my family along with it, and so my kids get a chance to see that, especially the younger ones who never got to see me play. Mm. They got to see me up on that stage and see me recognized mm. uh, for something that I poured my heart into, that I tell them to do every day, like pour your heart into something, yeah. and they get to see the kind of the, the culmination of it. Mm. So maybe that's a little carrot for them to, to yeah. grasp for. Congratulations. Thank you. That's incredible, you. man. Like, yeah. I want, it's it's more incredible just because of. When I went back, I don't know. I see a guy like you. What are you, six five? Yeah, six five. Six five. Six five. Built like an Adonis, good-looking <laughs> dude. You know, obviously a very confident person at this stage of your life, at least externally. I'm thinking he's probably always been this way. Mm. You know, and uh, just he kind of won the the pool of life. And then I start to read about you. I'm like, I should know better. That's never really the case. Never. And so I go back and I look at this little guy who. Tell us a little bit about it because what I love about you, because we're both this in common, we're both sort of like personal development, self-awareness addicts. Yeah. We want to know more about ourselves. Yeah. We want to learn and grow and I was fascinated about that with you. You're a little boy. You had, you really, really struggle with your self-confidence and you're even bullied, right? Would, yeah. you tell, would you tell that story? Because I think it's just unbelievable. But your graduation, you're at a graduation, you got this bully after. It's yeah. hard to picture, <laughs> but I think it'll help a lot of the young people that listen to this or, or parents who have young people. Yeah, and that's, that's why I tell this story mm. for the most part mm. uh, because there's kids out there that are getting bullied yeah. and, and I was the, the big bad... Uh, you, you look at me like, mm. okay, football player, like he's never had any problems. Right. And uh, I was at my eighth grade graduation. First of all, this bully was bullying me the whole year long. He came from high school. I never really saw him because I was afraid. And people were like, yeah, he's, he's, he's a tough guy. Uh, he's driving down from the high school. I'm in eighth grade in junior yeah. high. Uh, I always tell people, I still don't know why he wanted to fight me or whatever. Really? Um, it, it's actually a really funny story. I, I agreed to fight him and, uh, because he called me on the phone. And I had been ducking him every day. And he and I say, okay, well, give me, give me a chance to train for, for the fight. <laughs> and uh, he goes, all right, well, we'll sit, we set the date for the fight like two or three weeks later. Wow. And, the, the, and I'm in the, seriously, I'm in the garage like training, right. like I'm gonna fight this guy. And, I'm, and I, obviously I had the ability. I, mm. I probably could have beat his ass, right. but right. I was just so scared. And also before that, I was scared to play football. Mm. It was funny, they were, I was just a scared little kid for whatever, no confidence. Uh, anyway, long story short, the day of the fight comes, I'm going to the fight, I'm by myself, nobody likes me at school now. I'm the, this is back in the 80s too, so mm-hmm. you know, you were a wimp. Mm-hmm. I couldn't go to a teacher and talk about this, or the teachers would be like, I don't care, what are you gonna do? Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure the whole school knew about it. Because I go to the fight, and I think every other school knew about it in our district too, and the high school, because there was a thousand kids there. There's uh, a thousand kids. I'm not kids. kidding you, at the park, down the street from my house too, uh, there must have been if I'm looking from there, I'm talking, I don't know if you had school fights. By the way, sure. School fights don't happen anymore, at least the, for my kids. Like, when we were kids, they happened all they happen the all time. They happen all the time. Right, right. My, my 18-year-old, he, he's never seen a fight. Never seen a fight in 18 years going That's through the school system. remarkable. Which is a good thing, I guess. It's really good. But the school fights I had didn't have a thousand people at them. Well, There's like eight guys at the bike rack, right? Like, you know. No, this was a scheduled school fight. <laughs> the scheduled school fights Jeez. always had a lot of people there. Okay. I mean, I'd go there and watch. Okay, I can't wait to yeah. see this one. Right. You know, it's gonna be a good one. Right. So, anyways, uh, I I turn around 
I go back home uh, and then they're all at my house like banging on the door trying to get me to come out. And so next day I go back to school. I mean, it's even worse than it was before. And I ride that out until graduation. Graduation comes, everybody throws their hat up. I go and hide behind a wall because he shows up. And my whole family's there, my aunts and uncles, and, they, and they're looking for me. And I'm hiding behind this wall and it's like, they come up walking slowly mm. and they're looking for me and they see me hiding. Mm. And everybody knows mm. what's going on with me. Mm. And the disappointment I saw on my mom's face mm. and the disappointment I saw on my older brother Chris's face, mm. that did it for me. Really? I was like, I'm so tired of being afraid mm. and I will, I will never ever see that look on their face again. Mm. I don't ever want to feel like this again, ever in life. And I have never felt like that ever since. Mm. It just No big game, me. no dude you had to block ever nothing. in your career, nothing. Like, uh, don't get me wrong, the, the fear will, will, will come there. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I can't run anymore. I, I, I have to face it, I have to. Uh, and I'm gonna scratch and claw to do whatever it takes. And that was one of, that's the first and probably one of the biggest life lessons I've ever had in my life. Because after that, football took off for me. I get to the, I go to high school the next year. I actually went looking for him. I was gonna go fight him at that point, but you I did. couldn't find him at that okay. point. Uh, and I never did, and people were always like, hey, do you end up Yeah, fighting? what happened, right? Well, I, was, I always tell people, yeah, I kicked the shit out of him a couple <laughs> years later, but I didn't, it didn't happen. Uh, I did see him though at a, at a high school, uh, when I was a junior now, now I'm the same height I am now, I was mm. one of those big old kids, mm. and I'm looking down on him now, and I'm mm. like, I could just pummel this guy right here <laughs> mm. if I wanted to. But anyways, um, that, that changed everything uh, mm. for me. What With changed? Everything. What do you think changed? It's good confidence, just mm -hmm. a belief in yourself. Mm. Just a, and really going through the fear, like when that fear comes up, like it does for all of us in life, yeah. all of us, you gotta like take a couple deep breaths and just go do it. Yeah. Go do it, uh, especially yeah. if it's something you want to do. Yeah. I always say people are like, like I'm not gonna, I don't, I'm not interested in bungee jumping. That scares the shit out of me. me no, I, but I don't want to do it, so right. I don't care. I'm not gonna do it. But last year I jumped out of a plane. You did parachute. I'm afraid of that too. But do you want to do it? No. Okay, you don't no, want to do it. No, There's no. Yeah. See, I had an interest. I've always wanted to do that. Yep. I wanted to fly. I wanted to feel like the yes. wind hit my want, face. I won't even zip line. But you don't, <laughs> but you don't, don't want, want to do it. I, don't, I know exactly what you're saying. Okay. So, but okay. my, my whole audience is like, they just unsubscribed. But <laughs> you want to do zip line? That's fun. No, I'm telling you, anything in the air where I may not be in complete control, not only am I afraid of it, but like what you said, it's I don't want to do it, right? Now, I know what you're talking about. There are things that you're afraid of that you want to do, whether that's like public speaking. Yes. Or those things, if you push through them, I completely agree you with you. Them. So you jumped out of the damn airplane. Jumped out of the airplane, it felt good. I felt when I hit the bottom, it was like, and I've been dealing with this for years, and I've always had this relationship this so with fear, like trying to go with fears, but I finally said, I'm gonna yep. do it. Yep. And it was it, it changed really it kind of changed things for me after that. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. I I just second it. I did I you're gonna think this is nuts. He jumps out of a plane. I'm afraid to zip line, right? <laughs> but there's there's a huge zip line in Idaho where we live. I'm talking way up in the trees, hundreds and hundreds of feet in the air, and I did it kind of similar to your bullying thing because my kids wanted to go and like they can't see their dad afraid to do this. But there's something about even something small like that when you push through that fear and you complete it, you're like, there's just something about your identity that changes to some extent, right? Like yeah. I felt better about myself. So I ain't jumping out of an airplane, but I definitely relate to it. Yeah. So yeah. one thing about the bullying thing I wanted to mention to you, because I know you get mentioned this a lot too, is bullying's different than when we were kids because at least when we were kids, and I was bullied too, and I was afraid, very similar situation, um, we could at least escape at our house. Now the bullying follows you home from 
texting, from Facebook, from Instagram. There's cyberbullying too. And so if you are a kid out there being bullied, you got to face that fear. But also now it's a different world. You can get help. There's people that want to help you. Talk to a teacher. Talk to your parents. want to make sure we mention that for all yeah, the kids, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, it's good to mention that. So um, i gotta, I got to ask you a couple things that, that I see that you talk about. When you were playing in your career, you started, maybe it is before your career, what, you, what you're known for, I think, for people that know you, I think remark constantly on how curious you are. Mm. Just a curious person. You want to grow and change. You started doing a lot of reading about non-football things when you played. Yeah. Who influenced you when you were reading and why did you start doing it? Uh, my brother. This is a story I tell all the time, so I'll make it quick. Um, yeah. I was having a horrible second year. Led the NFL and drop passes. Uh, got benched twice. Uh, got booed by the home crowd, got written up in the papers that I was going on the verge of being a bust. Wow. And, uh, and I was first-round draft choice. I had never been booed. You yeah, know? Right, you were a great and, player. And so, right. and so that, that put me in a little bit of a depression. And mm-hmm. it just seems, you know, and people out there know, like when you're in a depression, it, it's just, it's kind of like self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. Because you're, the way you talk to yourself mm-hmm. is, for instance, with the, with, as a football player, when the ball's getting thrown to me, it was don't drop it, don't drop it, because mm. I dropped it last time. Mm. And you have to switch that inner dialogue to I got this, and I'm going to catch this. But I didn't have that. Mm. And it kept getting worse and worse and worse. I started drinking. I started going through, like really? I said, it was, it was bad. And my, uh, one of my, my um, adopted brothers, Donnie, sent me a little letter that said, Tony, that is not you. Get back to the real you. And he sent me a book of quotes by Vince Lombardi. And... I loved them. They were they were unbelievable quotes. Like mm. I always tell the one, um, the greatest moment in a man's life is when he lies totally exhausted on the battlefield, glorious. And yeah. and I loved it. And it spoke to me because that's that's the shit I needed to hear. Because mm. uh, I didn't know I had gotten mm. by on talent mm-hmm. and hard work, mm. which can take you far. But eventually, when you get to the professional ranks, yep. what's going to separate you is your brain and your heart and how you can connect those two. I've noticed that with Hall of Fame players, Hall of Fame businessmen, mm-hmm. whatever it is, people that are great at whatever they do, they know how to get into their heart. And I didn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And I was scared. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, what do you mean by that? That's awesome. What do you mean by get into their heart? I think that is where flow is. That is where the zone is. Uh, and, and you hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's ever played sports, yes. your coaches at one point or another is going to say, play with heart today. Yeah. You go out there, you got to play with your heart. And a lot of us athletes, we don't know what the hell that means. Mm-hmm. And so I've, decided, I've, I've had to figure out what that meant. And for me, when you're in your heart, there was no fear of judgment. There was is, there is presence. They're not worried about the last player or the forward play. There is complete confidence in yourself. It's safe. That's where you want to be. You're not worried. And so that's what poise is. That's what Tom Brady is, is in the pocket. That's what I, I, I had to, I didn't know how to get to that point. That's a mental thing. That has nothing to do with your physics. You can work, lift weights till the, till the cows come home mm-hmm. and you will never get there. If you, you'll never be as good as you can be unless you learn how to play with your heart. And that's what these books, that's what, that's what this show is about. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's what I'm about now mm-hmm. is how can I get people to get in their heart? How, how can I stay in my heart? And so once I learned, I was doing that without even knowing that, yeah. that, that you gotta be fearless. Oh, you got to put the work in too. But you have to love what you do. Mm-hmm. You have to love it because if you don't love it, mm-hmm. you won't do it. You won't put in the extra, you won't stay after practice if you don't love it. And mm-hmm. so I had to fall in love with football mm-hmm. uh, like Walter Payton did. Because I, off of that book, Vince Lombardi, I started, I read biographies about Walter Payton, Jerry Rice, started reading about Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. Tiger Woods, uh, great business leaders, mm-hmm. uh, great musicians. And there's a common theme there. If you really look at everybody's story, 
they, first of all, they love what they do. I'm talking yeah. the true movers and shakers. Yes. You can get by on hard work mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and in your mind, in your head, mm-hmm. uh, but there's a point you're gonna, you're, there's a cap there. You're so right. But as soon as you get in your heart, man, you can, you, you'll enjoy it so much better. You'll, you'll really see how good you really, really are. Uh, but you have to open your heart in order to get into it. Oh my God. So <laughs> for like 10 years, I, my primary message was, if you're going to win at the highest levels, you win with your heart and not your head. Yeah. And so like you, people will look at someone like you say, okay, 6'5", 250, runs a 4'5", whatever it was, right? But that separator is you get out of your head. And in business, if it's the way you make your phone calls or your scripts or your systems in your company, that'll get you to a professional level. But that separator is in that flow state, right? Because what should happen is you should become so skilled and proficient at what you do that the actual physical activity is reflexive and you're in that flow heart state. So I'm blown away that you actually describe it in, in, in that way because I've never heard an athlete actually say it to me that way before. Mm. So anybody authors that you read? I read, you, you read Wayne Dyer. Yeah, Wayne right? Dyer. I actually went and saw him speak while I was out in Kansas City. You did. Uh, Deepak Chopra. Uh, yeah. There's the Celestine prophecies. There's, there's. I, I love the the spirituality books that all have to do with being the best version, mind, body, and spirit. You have to connect those three things uh, in order to be the best you can be. You can. I'm sure you've seen this too. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many, how much money you make, or how many girls you got, or right. whatever. I mean, that, that all that stuff. True fulfillment and joy is what you're after. Is what you should be after. Mm. Uh, and you want to get there as easy as possible. So I had to develop ways and mindsets, and I continued to, to do that after my second year. Mm. Uh, I was always interested, okay, okay, what about nutrition? Okay, what about meditation? What about visualization? Mm-hmm. You know, and really studying the greats. I always mm-hmm. say success leaves clues, okay? So you're going to go out there, and you're gonna, you can study people. It's already been done. Copy genius. And then you add your own shit on top of that to, to, to whatever, you know, you kind of customize it to yourself. Yeah. Guys, this is why Tony has a new podcast, and this is why I think a lot of people think, oh, I get to listen to this football player's podcast. There's, you've already seen. There's layers way deeper than that. So what's the podcast called, by the way? Because I'm already a fan of the podcast just because I'm talking to you. <laughs> I want to hear more of what you have to say on all of these topics. So the podcast is called... It's called Wide Open. Wide Open, okay? And they can get it on any platform. You guys go check that out. And also, I want I always do this at the end. We might as well do it right now when they're like, wow. Right now, people are driving or working out or watching this like, that's a, whoa, there's a lot of depth there. Not that, I think people make some assumptions sometimes that, you know, we're only going to talk football here today. So where do they, how do they find you on social media? Um, all, in all major podcast platforms. Okay. Uh, Tony Gonzalez 88 is my okay. Twitter handle. Okay, on Twitter, on yeah. Instagram too? Yeah, Same Instagram, on Instagram too. Yeah. So one of the things I loved that I read about you too, because you just mentioned is meditation. Mm-hmm. And so you do, how'd you start? And then you do like a six step or process type meditation, don't you? Yeah. Talk I, about that. I, well, I, I think visualization and meditation are kind of, kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so realize that a lot of, like Michael Jordan did visualization. Tiger mm-hmm. Woods did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, and people are doing it and they probably don't even know it. Yes. That if you're constantly looking ahead, seeing your best version of yourself, mm-hmm. uh, but there's ways to do it even better. And so I got into, I got into uh, to visualization a lot. I would, before every football game, um, really every night before I went to bed, I would see myself playing the plays from the day and see myself doing them perfectly. Mm-hmm. But really before the game, I would take 20 minutes. I'd go down to the end of my bed, get on the floor, and I would close my eyes, and I would start breathing deeply, and I would relax my body. 
and then I would visualize the game, but not just visualizing the game in the sense of okay, seeing my. I, I would see the details. I'd see. I'd feel the sweat on my face. Mm. I would. I would smell the grass. I'd see the dirt. I'd see the crowd cheering me on. I'd see my coach cheering me on, telling me good job. I'd see myself catching balls. Mm. I'd see myself ad libbing. I'd see myself in the moment, mm. uh, playing with that open heart that I talk about. Uh, and and nine times, ninety five percent of the time, it would turn out exactly how I was visualizing it. And so since I've gotten awesome. done playing. Uh, the meditation uh, I do, I have my, this is my routine. I'll just tell you that. Um, every morning when I wake up, the first thing I do, I don't even open my eyes. I just keep my eyes closed and uh, I relax my body again. Okay. And if you're, first of all, if you feel like you want to go back to sleep, you didn't get enough sleep. So mm-hmm. that's a whole different subject. Mm-hmm. Sleep is so important. But so now you're there, you, you start to relax your body. I picture my heart opening up. Oh. And I picture a light coming out. And this is very, uh, there's this guy named Vishen Lakhiani. He yes. taught me the six-stage meditation okay. that he does. And I've kind of taken that. Like I said, copy genius mm-hmm. and then put your own version on it mm-hmm. and come up with your own thing that works best for you. And this mm-hmm. is what I've done off of his. So he's the one who started this, mm-hmm. some, this visualization. So my heart is opening up. I feel that light coming in. And then I get into the heart. We talked about it. Mm-hmm. And I picture joy. Mm-hmm. I picture fulfillment. I picture uh, compassion, kindness. I picture fearlessness, I picture power, unlimited ability, I feel all that light. That's what that light represents to me and I feel it shooting out of my body into the room and around the neighborhood and around the globe and me touching everything and seeing everything as, as God, seeing everything as connected. Mm-hmm. And then wow. now my heart is open and then I put the visualization in there. Now I see myself in three years where I'm gonna be, which is Vishen, uh, or three to five years, see the best version of myself then I see myself doing this. What is my day going to be like? If I'm going to go there now, I see myself being part of world positive businesses, see myself doing a great podcast, see myself being on the main desk at Fox or whatever it is. You see the greatest version of yourself. You build this greatest story yourself. Uh, Even as you see yourself in a great shape, Mm -hmm. you see yourself eating great food and then you you see your your day going that way. Uh, You just map out your whole day and science this is all backed by science now. This isn't woo-woo shit out there. If you're right. listening to this, yeah. this is real now. Look it up. This yeah. is this is this is cognitive dissonance. This is neuroplasticity of your brain. This is this is you creating your 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 story. It it, it absolutely is real stuff. Uh, quantum physics yeah. shows the, the the electrodes that you put up to your brain. They've done it to athletes. For the athletes out there listening, when I was doing that visualization, your muscles are firing. You're creating that muscle memory, those habits. Your brain is going to associate what it's most comfortable with. So be sure to put positive images in your brain because that's that's what's going to consider normal now. And it becomes normal. So it's kind of like that fake it till you make it, the old saying. But it's it's real now. Now it's backed by science. And this stuff will, will help you be the best version that you can be. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Hey guys, I want to step aside for a second and tell you about the first ever sponsor of the Max Out Podcast. So as you know, I've never had a sponsor before because I didn't want to have somebody that was endorsing the show that didn't have a product that I really believed could help you or that I used myself. And so for a while now, I've been using this app called the XPT Breathing App and I love it. And the reason is, is that it helps you in your physical and mental game, right? In both areas, which you know, I'm a huge believer in pushing ourselves physically and mentally and most fitness apps so to speak that are out there are great but you know they work on workout techniques or getting your abs to be six packs or you know diet that type of thing 
And when my friend Laird Hamilton, who's a legendary big wave surfer, told me about this app that he partnered on with Gabrielle Reese, who's another legendary athlete, I thought, you know what, I'll use it because of their reputation. But after I started using it, I saw a huge difference in my ability to recover in my mental and physical game. And I want that for you guys as well. And so I'm really proud they're one of the first sponsors of the show. The app's built on the fundamentals of breathe, move, and recover which I believe in, and it powers you to kind of push your own boundaries, both physically and kind of mentally. And you're going to see in many ways it really makes a difference in your self-confidence and your ability to perform, recover, just the way you feel about yourself. Other athletes like Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL, Kevin Durant uses the app, U.S. military, tons of different Olympic athletes. And now they've made this thing available. And the real secret of the app is the breathing programming. That's the part I love the most. And it kind of takes all the techniques from around the world in recovery that really haven't been taught to everyday people before for both the mind and the body. And I think you're going to love it. And so XPT's MOVE program consists of a bunch of kind of customizable training program and daily workouts and recovery things as well. But what's really cool is my audience gets it for free. And that's what I'm most fired up about. So if you go to xptlife.com forward slash mylet, you can download the app and it's free. So again, go to xptlife.com forward slash mylet and download the app for free. You're going to thank me for it. It's going to make a big difference in your life, guys. They told me this was going to be good, but I didn't. (laughs) So I just want to step back for a second there. That was awesome. Everybody, I just want to make sure one thing about the visualization aspect. One of the things I've noticed with, I've worked with pro athletes and then I've worked with some Hall of Fame athletes. The specificity with which they visualize is our two different levels. What you were just saying about how specific, the sweat. For those of you that are business people, or your mothers, or you're running a foundation, it's the specificity. You may think you visualize, but the elite, elite level performers visualize much more specifically with much more clarity. They build the muscle of being great visualizers. I want to make sure that you're all just processing that for a second. And then this idea that you're literally rewiring the myelin in your brain and the neuroplasticity aspects of it. You are literally conditioning your mind and your body to work together when you're doing what Tony's describing to you right here. Please spend more time uh, learning about this because it's the, the commonality blows my mind between the mega, the best pastors I know, the best mothers I know, the best business people I know, the top athletes. There's these lines that start running together and it's some of the things that you just shared. I'm, I'm so impressed that, that you do that and that you're refining it. What's one snap mentality? Uh, well, I think it's, that's kind of the presence, at least okay. for me. It's, it's that one snap and clear it is a big thing you hear in the NFL. Okay. And that just means staying in the moment. That means each play that you go is all that matters. And then once it's over, it's done. Okay. You're not worried about the past or the future. Uh, and that is a great place to be because people know how you know, it, it can start to steamroll you if you start worrying about the last drop pass in my instance. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm on television, like, oh shoot, I messed that last segment up. Yes. Uh, I was stumbling on my words. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking about that, now you're not present, you're not in the moment. It takes mm-hmm. away your focus. And that's where meditation does. It helps okay. memory and it helps your focus. That's why I do it, I do it twice a day, by the do way. Do you do anything else for presence? Help me with this. Because I talk a lot about being present. And it's interesting when you're someone who preaches it and then I'm, I still regularly catch myself not being. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, in every area. It could be in a business meeting. It could be, 
could be I come home with my kids and there's just days I'm not. Do you have any like triggers or mechanisms or is it just like you're self-aware like I'm doing it again? Uh-huh. Do you do anything like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I think everybody, like if I'm driving down the street, mm-hmm. uh, like I said before, when, I'm, when I see that visualization in the morning, that mm-hmm. helps me set, set the tone for my day. Uh, but like I catch myself with people you know, mm-hmm. with my kids, I have four kids. Mm-hmm. And so when I come down in the morning, the kids are down there, I try to really look them in the eye and stay present with them and tell myself, stay present, open your heart. That's a lot, that's kind of like my reminder. Mm-hmm. Anytime that I feel like I'm slipping a little bit, yeah. I'll say, okay, get in your heart, Tony, okay, get in okay. your heart. And I just learned this. This, mm-hmm. this literally is, has been a part of my routine for the last two months okay. of getting your heart. Okay. Uh, and there's, there's certain things too, like if I see certain numbers on the clock, uh, it's, I always see the number 44. Okay. I'll see 111. I'll see, and, and I think those are little reminders from, this might be a little weird for some people. It's not people. weird at all uh, for me. Like yes. the universe or God or whatever yes. you think, the higher power yeah. is sending me, okay, remind myself. That's what that means to me. When I see those numbers, okay, get focused, get centered. God, you constantly just gosh. keep reminding yourself. Dude, I gotta tell you, it's so good because that's actually, in, in the things that I teach, that's called a trigger. Mm-hmm. And the best people find triggers to bring them back because humans are constantly going to gravitate off course. So seeing these numbers, it's just a trigger. A tr- By the way, if you've watched me in the interview, I've snapped my fingers maybe like 11 times already. Mm-hmm. One of my triggers to get into a great state or a hyper-present state is this. It's just a trigger for me. It may sound corny to most people listening. It could be, your trigger can be, you can learn to build triggers, by the way. Triggers can be what the, you, the, you're seeing your hand on your car door every single morning, and that hand on your car puts you into that superwoman state or that focused state. And it's just a reminder when you see. For you, it's numbers. For me, it might be a movement. For some people, so it's not corny to me. Mm. It's like it's it's the stuff that I started the show for. It's like not just the generic "Hey, be motivated, be grateful." How do I do that? Yeah. Right, and that's why I've done the show. I'm wondering. I was reading about you, and there's obviously. There's something I think special. I don't like when I tell someone on my show that they're special because then I think it gives other people an out. Like, well, of course he's one. He's special. Mm-hmm. But I think you've you've developed special characteristics about yourself. Yeah. And for me in my life, I've had I've modeled people. Like you said, copy great people. There's elements of me that I've modeled in every area. There's things I do that are my mom. Things I watched my mother do. I was reading about. I think it's your stepdad. Mm-hmm. What role? He was a pretty prominent man in your life, was yeah. he not? Can yeah. Talk about him a little bit. Well, yeah, yeah, but, but just out of respect for my, I have a biological father too okay. that I respect. But they got divorced when I was really, really young. Okay. Uh, and then my stepdad, Michael Saltzman, a uh, little Jewish guy, you know, he came into my life when we were on welfare before that, mm. uh, struggling a little bit, government cheese type stuff, really? single parent. Uh, just my mother and my biological brother Chris at this time. Okay. We met Michael. Uh, and everything changed. Uh, we went from that low-income housing to middle-class housing. We weren't rich by any yeah. means, but middle-class, good stuff. Mm-hmm. And and uh, his thirst for knowledge. This is something that I was I'd never seen before in my life. Nothing against my family, sure, uh, but they weren't academics mm-hmm. per se. Mm-hmm. You know, they were they were your blue-collar type people, which is fine too. Mm-hmm. But I never really worried about you know studying. Like all of a sudden, I see a, a male role model reading books now, mm-hmm. and having higher conversations using big words, mm-hmm. uh, which I had never been around. And mm-hmm. so, and, and he took an active interest in me and my brother, where he became my father. He, mm-hmm. he is my father. Mm-hmm. I have two fathers. Sure. How cool is that? Awesome. You know, it takes a village, by the mm-hmm. way. And so that's really helped me. I have an older son who's eighteen. Uh, who I wasn't with his mother from a, after age one, 
and yeah. a stepfather came into his life. And a lot of people, at first I was a little like, who the hell are you? Don't mm -hmm. come in trying to take control of my family or whatever. Yeah, that's my son. But then the maturity says, hey, he's got two dads. So I, I, I digress sure. a little bit there. No, yeah. So for people out there, if you have, I, I think it takes a village. You should really mm -hmm. embrace when a, a stepdad or stepmom comes into your life. Maybe it's not with you. Maybe it's with your ex. But the influence that, that he had on me was so profound uh, mm -hmm. in all aspects of my life. Just mm -hmm. how to treat people, how to look people in the eye, uh, how to be curious. That's probably where I got the curiosity in my mm -hmm. life because mm -hmm. he was always asking questions. Like I couldn't come to him and be like, hey, help me with my homework. In fact, mm -hmm. that was the worst thing to go ask him for help with homework, even though he was a 1300, 1400 SAT guy, graduated from University of Miami, just a brilliant, brilliant man. Mm. Uh, it was always like, well, you got to do this for your own. Well, why don't you ask, he would ask you a question if you ask him a question back. Really? And so it wasn't like he's just going to give it to you. Mm. And so, yeah, I learned a lot from him. It was a big influence in my life. I think it's, uh, I think that's a word that I would use to define you getting to know you better is curious. Mm. You seem to be curious about life. I think it keeps you young. It keeps you happy. It keeps you humble. Yeah. Um, when you're curious, it means you know you don't know everything. Yes. And that there's things outside of you. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I ask you something I didn't even have in here. I'm just, I'm listening to you. I'm so impressed. What do you struggle with right now? Um, <laughs> like really, day to day, you know, you got, you're on television, you've got the show, you've got a beautiful family. I'm told you have a great relationship with your wife. I know none of these things are ever perfect at any yeah. given time. But what do you, what do you struggle with most days? Um, I think my, my, my struggle is probably being organized. Hmm. Uh, I struggle with being on time. I was late showing up. <laughs> you were late. <laughs> Not that late. Uh, uh, I think the organization part of my life could be better. Uh, mm. One thing that I've been working on that I did struggle with, and I'm, and I'm working through it right now. I guess I'm in the middle of working through my, my struggle, um, is kind of, kind of presence. Like, like uh, really recognizing uh, and surrendering my judgments, I guess. Uh, which my wife is a very funny person. And so, but if there's a fine line funny is, and I mean funny. Like, I know what you like, mean. People are like, oh, my wife is so funny. Like, right. You meet my wife, like she's pretty, she's damn funny. Right. Witty, mm -hmm. but a lot of witty comes from judgment. Assessing people, Assessing right? Assessing people see, and, and pointing out their, yep. their problems and all yep, that stuff. Yep. Uh, and I'm not as funny as her. Mm -hmm. And so when, when I'm looking at people, <laughs> if, I'm make, if I'm judging them, it's probably coming from a place of, of more of like, yeah. like true judgment. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, how could you? Well, she's making a joke of it and everybody's laughing at it. Uh, maybe it's awesome. more mean spirited with me. But yep. I've, I've really, really made a, a real effort to, to, to just, just kind of surrender. Uh, mm -hmm. And some people hate that word. I had Tom Bill you on my podcast, and yeah. he was like, "No, not surrender, not surrender." It seemed like he didn't mm -hmm. like that word. Mm -hmm. I don't the way it came off, but really just to accept, I guess maybe mm -hmm. that's a better accept what's happening and and try to and live in the moment. That's hard to do because I'm I was in my fucking head a lot. Yes, and I got I'm trying to be in my heart. Everything that I'm telling you right now, that this is all like I said, that's all new for me. I've yeah. kind of been able to articulate. I can't put it this way. I could do it on the football field. Mm -hmm. I want to take. What I was able to do so well on a football field, mm -hmm. where I didn't give a shit about what people thought. Yeah, I was I was doing my own routine. People could make fun of me. Mm -hmm. I didn't care. Uh, I had the the what my verbal talk my 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 internal dialogue. The internal dialogue mm -hmm. was was on point. Mm -hmm. It really really was. I mm -hmm. could get in the zone just like that every year. You knew what you were going to get from me. I didn't struggle with that. Yeah, and I want to take that into my daily life. 
I want to be able to have a conversation. I want to see somebody coming down the street. And I, that's, that's where I guess is yeah. probably the biggest thing where I'm, I'm opening my heart to everybody, to every situation. And that's scary. It's scary to do that. Mm-hmm. But what's wrong with saying hello to somebody in the elevator? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with saying hello to somebody as you walk past them on the street? Mm-hmm. What are we really afraid of? Yeah. And I'm kind of getting out of that. And you catch people off guard. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of, that's, that's where I'm at at this point. Really opening my heart to every aspect of my life. It's a great answer. Um, the reason I asked you it was someone asked me recently uh, in a private coaching session. Like, well, what do you struggle with? And my answer was very similar to yours, and what I and it's very similar to what you said. I said sometimes the good version of me doesn't transcend the environment I'm in, meaning the best version of me works in places where I'm comfortable, but I I struggle with transcending any environment and being the best me, and that's really what you're saying. Say so football, the best version of me being in my heart existed all the time. I wasn't worried about judgment, but it didn't transcend to an environment yes. in the real world off the football field. Yes, and so that was mine too. It was kind of like. You know, am I able to do that in my public life when there's, you know, maybe a, a lot of people wanting to meet me at a certain place or um, naturally I'm introverted, very introverted, yeah. even though I'm in public and I speak on stages. So is the best version of me always present, you know, in certain settings where I'm uncomfortable, you know, socially? And so that's the stuff that I struggle with too. And you should be asking yourself that, everybody. Is there, are you the same person at work that you are at home, that you are at church, that you are with your kids? Or are there are these multiple versions of you. You're this really loving, kind, generous person with your own children, yet at the workplace there's a distance and an aloofness about you. The happiest, most fulfilled people transcend their environment yeah. with who they are. That's when you're really authentically being yourself and when your heart's opened up. I got to ask you about the surrender thing, though. Uh-huh. I got to ask about that yesterday, too, from a friend. We actually got into a disagreement, kind of like what Tom did with you. They posted something about you've just got to completely separate from outcome. And I've heard you say something similar, but I know what you mean and I want you to elaborate on it. I think one of the most difficult things in life to navigate is this idea of being goal-oriented, outcome-oriented, and separating from that outcome to some Mm -hmm. extent, right? It's a very nuanced position. Some would call it surrender. It's a very nuanced thing. So you've described this better than I've heard before. So what's your stance on that? People say, I've got all these goals and dreams, yet, Sometimes the pressure or the obsession with it creates a pressure that causes you not to perform very well, too. Yeah. Describe your belief about that. Well, it's kind of, I can take that back to the football. And that's okay. what I'm saying. I, that didn't, I was able to transit. I, like on the football field, I didn't care. Uh, honestly, mm. the, the score could be, you know, it's fourth and three, and we need a catch, and they can come to me uh, because I'm not worried about dropping it. I'm not worried about what happened before. Because are, I'm, are you saying that fourth and three, game on the line, the pressure level inside you is the same as first and 10, first quarter. So first and 10, first, honestly. Okay. Honestly. Okay, I, that's, that's surprising I, I, to me. I like to think okay. that every play that I played, I played in the moment. Wow. With, with there was no warming up, getting in. Mm-hmm. I was like from beginning to, it was one, one speed, I guess. Okay. You know, I had two speeds. It was, I wasn't going or I was going. Okay. And when I say I was going, it was from a place of poise, like I talked about, with no mm-hmm. fear, calmness, uh, uh, fearlessness, mm. like that's that's where you want to be, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of what acceptance is or surrender mm. means. You're not worried about the outcome, and this is where it's hard. I could do that on the football field, and this mm. is where I've struggled, and especially after I made that transition. Uh, when you're starting something new, it's hard to get out of your head. Yes, and you're going to be in your head for a little while. That's mm-hmm. all there is to it, mm-hmm. because you're learning something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can accelerate that. Yep, you can really, really accelerate that 
if you can have that surrender. And that surrender means acceptance. And that acceptance means you're not worried about the outcome. It means you're not worried about what happened before. If you can open your heart up, mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's where learning comes quicker. Mm. You can learn the hard way. You can bang your head against the wall. You can say, I hear a lot of uh, motivational speakers out there that talk about, you know, it's hard work. It's hard work. Mm -hmm. All you got to do is do hard work. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, I've done that before. But there's, mm -hmm. it, and, but you'll, and you will get it. You mm -hmm. will learn something if you work your ass off. If, I, if you double the amount of hours that I'm putting in on something, you will get there. But I believe that you can accelerate that learning process if you come from a place of really working on your emotions. Because emotion, mm -hmm. uh, success is an emotional thing. Mm -hmm. It really, really is. Mm -hmm. Especially when you start looking at talent. When you got to the NFL, you look around, there's guys... Yeah, like, oh, I always say when, when guys come into the NFL, when I talk to them and I give little talks to, to players coming in, I'm like, welcome to the world of you're, you're, no, you're no longer special. Yeah. Because you run a 4-5, so does he. Everybody. Does. Oh, you, you're, you're strong. You live 400 pounds. So, so does he right there. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing that separates you from these guys right now. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's going to separate you now is here and here. And that is what I study. And so I'm sorry to go off topic a little I bit. I love it. But I think... Uh, the more you can learn and the more you can get into that heart of yours, which uh, you figure out what heart is, define what heart is, and then get there every day. I love this, brother. When you, a uh, couple football things, mm -hmm. uh, what's your regret of your career, biggest regret? Uh, I was never a leader as much as I could have been. As much as I could have been. I was scared. That's the only reason I was Whoa. not a good leader. What, what, really? I think towards the end of my career, I became a pretty good leader, but still not not the leader that I should have been, or I could have been. I'm uh, blown away to hear that. Yeah, I was afraid. I was afraid. I was afraid to, to stand up before a game, and I could do this one-on-one -on -one with players, but really, I didn't even do this one-on-one. -on -one. I would never, be started, more towards the end of my career, I started to do it more. But, you know, in the prime of my career, you know, yeah. year four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like I was never, I should have been up in front of the locker room. I should have been controlling the locker room from a place of, of kindness too, sure. but really helping my teammates be better. Uh, and I could have done it, but I, because I had all this knowledge in me. I was, I was crushing books while I was playing. This sure. is something I've been doing all the time. And you're being humble. You were the best player on your team. A, a quarterback, are you the, typically the yeah. best player on your football team? Yeah. And I, still did not have the, what you call the, was it confidence? Was it? The confidence was there. I was quiet, uh, meaning, I would, I would never say anything in front of the team. And if mm -hmm. I saw something, I was afraid to, to say it. Where now, what I, I'll say, say it. it. Yeah, it was, it was, I feel bad about that. I, I could have gave better to my teammates. And they probably, you know, you probably asked some teammates of mine back then. They wouldn't say I was a bad guy. Yeah. But they would be like, ah, yeah, he's kind of in his own, own world over there, reading his books in his locker. It blows my mind because you're so present right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, such an evolved, impressive person. That that is so. But I think that's. A, but I do think that's a good thing because it's like shit. You don't. You don't just show up uh, mm -hmm. in the pros. I mean, you got to start. You got to go pop Warner. You got to get your ass kicked. You got to make those mistakes. Yeah. And that's you know. I wrote a letter to my kids um, for the Hall of Fame, and that was a big part of that message. I wanted to to let them know that when you find what you love to do, that's the first and foremost thing you have to do if you want to have a successful life a fulfilled life, a joyful life, hmm. uh, is figure out what you love. Hmm. And that's a whole process. You gotta go out there and try different things. Mm -hmm. you, gotta, you gotta experiment. Mm -hmm. And then once you find it, guess what? Now really get ready. 
because the critics are coming. The pain is coming now, now that you found what you love. And you're going to get your ass kicked and you're going to fall down. And that's part of it, though. Just know that. It's a, mm. that's in, in fact, welcome that shit mm. because that's the shit that cracks you wide open. <laughs> the pain is very common amongst successful people, really, really successful people. They've usually gone through some really hard times. They've come from humble beginnings. Or Michael Jordan got cut. He got devastated when he got cut from the high school team. And he still carries that competitive attitude all the way through his Hall of Fame speech. Hmm. Just one example. Hmm. I have been broken the fuck open <laughs> because of certain things that have happened to me. And I wouldn't trade him for the world because that's part of it. That's part of the growth. Mm. And so if anybody who's going out there through some bad times or you think you're struggling right now, you probably are. I would, I would say mm. that. But understand the growth opportunity where it's at right now. In mm. fact, that's why I keep running towards the fear. Because mm. I know that's where the growth is. That's where the gold is, I always say. Go towards that fear. Go to what you're afraid of, no matter what it is. Speaking publicly, acting for me. I was scared, mm. but I wanted to do it. You talk mm. about humbling. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, but you can't do it. I can work my ass off. This is part of going back to a question a while ago. I can work my ass off to be really, really good at acting or broadcasting or whatever, but I can get there so much faster if I just come from my heart. Act from your heart. Yeah. Play with heart. Going back to the beginning. So every coach says it. Play with your heart. You're, um, you're going to make a huge difference in culture the next decade because of who you are and your platform and the, what you know and what you're willing to talk about. I, I'm like really excited about your show. I'm really, really excited um, because of what you've achieved. You're going to be able to gather the ears of people that not everybody can. I just want to encourage you to continue on this path. I think it's very special, Thank very, you. very remarkable what you're talking about, what you know, um, how authentic it is too. Like you're living this stuff. The thing you talked about there that I want to second also is in every area of life, I call them the awkward mechanical and the natural stage. Whatever it is, in a relationship, it can start out awkward. Then you kind of get mechanical the way you're. Then there becomes this point where your relationship just becomes natural. That happens in a sport. It happens in a business as well. And there's two ways that you get to the natural stage, which, by the way, is when you're at your highest performing level. You're vibrating at the highest frequency. You're the most functional. You're the happiest. Is through hard work, through repetitions, and through getting in a heart state and out of your head. Those are the two ways that we yeah. do it in life. So. I don't want this to end, damn it. <laughs> I promise a certain time frame for the audience, though. Um, I want to ask you one more question because I just think there's this reservoir of information there. We've touched on so many different things. But there's a lot of people that are watching this that have a, some kind of dream, right? That's who listens to you and I. they got a dream. They, their dream is they want to find their dream relationship, start their dream business, become a millionaire. Maybe they're an artist and they want to be, you know, get their art in the hands of more people musically, whatever it might be. And I, my audience is so diverse from eight-year-olds to 80-year-olds, right? There's no, everyone asks me, what's your demo? I, my demo is <laughs> humans, right? What advice, someone who's come this far, let's be real, from a dude who's hiding behind the wall getting bullied when he's a, in the eighth grade, and you just forget because you're such a good man, but has become the greatest in the history of the sport at his position. He's one of 326 people in the history of that sport to do it. You're talking about someone who's not achieved just an elite level, the highest possible level in their chosen career. One of one. One of one at the position he played in the NFL. He knows a lot about how to do this stuff. Your journey's been remarkable. And you're such a young man, too. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give them? Hey, I'm starting... I'm, I'm not sure I have it. You know, any, any random piece of it. They ran into you at Starbucks. They got three minutes. They said, hey, 
I got this dream I have. What advice would you give me? Um, very similar to, first of all, you have to find what you love. Hmm. What if you're not, let me ask you, let me challenge you on that. Uh-huh. So the love thing. I love basketball, which by the way, he could have probably played in the NBA too. He had yeah. the choice to do the two. I love basketball. But do you also agree that you need to choose something that you love that's also in line with some sort of giftedness or potential talent? Meaning, I'm, I, I'm not ever going to do a 360 windmill dunk. Yeah. Do you agree that there's some measurement there of... Absolutely. Okay. That makes total sense. That, okay. That's the reason I play football. I mean, okay. I love basketball more than I love football. Okay. I would have loved to have been in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I knew I probably could have made it, but people are like, okay, your long-term success is in football, son. Mm-hmm. Just know that. You're right. a 6'5 power forward. They don't, right. There's Charles Barkley and there's no one else. Right. And the no one else is 6'9, 6'10. Yeah. And you can't dribble that well. Charles okay. can. And so yeah. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go play football. Okay, so we got to love. We gotta, yeah. So advice one is love it, but it's got to be in some line with some giftedness Absolutely. or, or a proclivity that you have. Lou Holtz, uh, one of his books that I read, yeah. he talks about that. Pick something that you're naturally good at mm-hmm. uh, and then fall in love with it. Mm-hmm. Find a way to fall in love with it. Open your heart to it. Okay. And so that, that's, that's kind of what what I did. And you can fall in love with just being successful. Some people, mm-hmm. I've asked people, business, great people that have made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what, what do you love? Don't you just love what you do for a living? They're all, no, I don't love that. I don't love the specific, like if I'm making widgets. Yep. I don't love widgets. Mm-hmm. I love the process of building a company. Yes. I love, I love, I love success. Mm-hmm. I'm in the business of making money or whatever they say, mm-hmm. that stuff. And so you're right. So I, so some people, some people figure that out. So basically, whatever it is, try to fall in love with whatever it is that you end mm-hmm. up doing. Uh, and then from there, I believe, because once you fall in love with it, di- the need for discipline disappears. Gosh, that's... So discipline is really important in lives, okay? Mm-hmm. If I, if, like right now, if you had some, uh, some, some cookies right here, I'd probably be like, shit, I want mm-hmm. one of these cookies. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have some discipline. No, I'm not going to touch it. That's mm-hmm. discipline, which is needed in life. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to what you do for a living, mm-hmm. you want to be, you want it to be like almost, I, like it, I didn't really take that much discipline, me, discipline for me to stay after practice. Yes. I never did that before because mm-hmm. I, I wasn't in love with football. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in love with the process mm-hmm. until my third, going into that third year, which is now all of a sudden, I'm going to stay after practice. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm tired and I can mm-hmm. go home, it's because I, I love it. Where, yeah. else, where else would I rather be? I actually yeah. really fantasize about catching footballs and mm-hmm. really pick... I didn't love showing, waking up early. Uh, I don't love blocking big 300-pound defensive ends, uh, which is part of my game. Mm-hmm. But I love catching footballs. Yes. So pick something within what you love that you really, really love. Like, I love and that. And focus on that. Yes. And so, and then from there, I think really everything takes care of itself. Really just keep learning from the greats. Because mm-hmm. we could sit here and talk about this over and mm-hmm. I, I, Of course, I have a whole bunch more I could say on it. But mm-hmm. really... Do it yourself. Take that journey. Yeah. Go go pick up a book. Go read some Tony Robbins books. Mm-hmm. Listen to these podcasts. Mm-hmm. Go go look at anybody. Everybody has anybody who's achieved achieved that success. They yeah. have that. They have that formula. It's I like, totally agree with you. By the way, brilliant. I said this like about eight weeks ago on something, but I didn't say it as well as you. You can find an element of what you're doing that you love. Mm-hmm. It could actually not even be the physical work. It could it could be the result it produces, like wealth, like abundance, like happiness for other people. Because what happens when you do that is you go from I have to stay after practice to I get to stay after practice. Yeah. I get to go do this. And when something becomes what you get to go do, your life's different. It's just a completely different existence on earth, yeah. brother. I I'm telling you right now, I'm so excited about your show, and I enjoyed this today. Like. Um, 
I love when I do a show that feeds me as well as the audience, and I was very well fed today by the things that you talked about. Oh, thank you. I really, really enjoyed it. And if there's anything I can ever do beyond today to help you, I'm here. Thank you. You've got a friend and an ally here. So Appreciate thank you so much. Again, follow Tony's podcast and make sure that you're following him. At, is it Tony Gonzalez 88 on yeah. social Tony media? Make sure you're following him. And obviously, you know with me, you want to be following me on Instagram and doing the max out two-minute drill every single day. When I make a post between 7.30 and 8 a.m. Pacific, that is like roughly usually about 10.30 to 11 Eastern. When I make that post, first two minutes, if you make a comment or if you start commenting on people's comments, if you, if you miss the first two minutes, by the way, just make a comment on every post I make every day. We pick winners every single day. They get coaching calls with me, my book, Max Out Gear, flights on my jet, tickets to see me speak, sometimes interactions with some of my guests. And so I'd love to select you. So be involved with me on social media. Be involved with me on Instagram. Follow this man as well. Thank you for today, Tony. Thanks, Appreciate Enjoyed it, it so me. much. God bless you, everybody. And Max out. This is the Admiral Show.